And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portzine with you, joined by Allison Lucan. Back in Columbus. And Tom Reed. I'm glad you guys finally made it home. Oh, thank you. And uh, you guys were both out at the rink today. I took a personal morning. Um, Cam Atkinson, game number 500 of his career, obviously all with Columbus tonight. Um, that's worth celebrating. The Washington Capitals are in town. That's a big game. Uh, you two, uh, paint the scene for the, what happened over there at the rink this morning and what, uh, what are the storylines heading into tonight against these Capitals? Uh, well, let's just go with quickly with the nuts and bolts. Bob will be in goal as you would okay. expect. Uh, the, the same lineup as, uh, that finished up the game against Vegas, which John Tortorella was talking about the trip said the. First game was okay. Second game was a little better. He thought the Vegas game was one of their best games they played all season. So why would they change the lineups? Eric Robinson was there. Uh, the other uh, person of note who was there today was Marty St. Louis. And uh, Allison asked a really good question about what uh, Marty St. Louis has brought in this short time. Allison, do you want to share with uh, with the group? Sure. I mean, and we didn't, I intentionally didn't ask about power play nuts and bolts. I think that comes in a, in a few days, but um, what I think is most interesting is it sounds like, and this is my term, that uh, Marty is kind of becoming an outlet valve um, for these players, someone to talk to. Um, if they reach out to Marty or Marty reaches out to him, those are conversations that stay between the player and Marty. Um, they're not being rerouted back to John Tortorella, unless there's global feedback that Marty thinks 
John needs, but he's been showing video to guys. He's been, it sounds like making a, a rather quick, but very positive impact uh, with this group. And I spoke to Nick Felino about it too. And I said, is, are there too many voices? Are there too many people in the room? Is this a good thing, a bad thing? And he's all for it. And he said he, that Marty has even come to him a little bit kind of as on a captain level, you know, with some general points of feedback and things like that too. So um, it sounds like as a consultant, um, perhaps much more so than the power play that uh, Marty St. Louis is, is helping this team, particularly right now when we know they're going through a lot of drama, even above and beyond what's happening on the ice. I thought the other thing that was interesting, Allison, was that he was saying that, you know, obviously players look at video clips. It's more clips than anything that not just video, but that, 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 that he, that the Tort- Tortorella has watched St. Louis look at plays mm-hmm. uh, with a player and the description of the play is Torts is saying, I would have never thought to describe it that way because, you know, I didn't play the game at that level right. and I wouldn't even try to, but Marty St. Louis can go to a player of a high level and say, here's what I see here. And Torts is like, I wouldn't even gone there with that. That's, that's, that's what, that's the kind of graduate uh, level details that St. Louis is, I think, helping with the players. I know this was, maybe we're a little bit off track here, but that's what happened today at the rink. Well, that's awesome. They're, I think five of 12 on the power play since uh, St. Louis was, was brought on board. Um, now, was that correct, Allison? I, as you said it, I was going to pull it up. So keep talking and I will confirm. And, and beyond just the, uh, the percentage of that, uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. Beyond that, it has been big for them. The, the game winner in Vegas oh. play goal. Uh, really, the, uh, the game winner in Arizona power play goal. Yes. And the pull-away goal, the 5-3 goal in Denver was a power play goal. So if, if you – I think however you want to cut it, it's not just the percentage. That obviously has gone starkly up. But it it is scoring big goals at the at big times, which is really really important. And I I just feel a confidence there. It, and I don't even know if it's so much X's and O's as much as it is just having a different teacher, much less one who's who was great at this subject as a player. Just has to give you confidence. And I. I you just get a different air um, about this group coming over the boards now than you did before the break. That's, that's what I feel. Yeah. And yeah. I confirmed it as well the other day too. Yeah. It's they're five of 12 um, since Marty came on board. And um, this is something that probably next week, I'm going to dig back into that tracking of all the power plays to see. Um, I was kind of waiting for a little bit of, time to go by with Marty here to see what if any changes we see but I agree I mean there is a there is a different feel and I also do think like you that sometimes it's just having that different voice where it makes it okay to say that what came before wasn't working right it's hard to say that when it's the same boss if you will but but this allows you to say you know what that that stuff wasn't working it's we can acknowledge that put it to bed that way and then move forward yeah. Well, the Blue Jackets, it was a great road trip. Uh, we last talked to you Thursday, which would have been, or sorry, Friday, which would have been right after the Phoenix game, um, on their way to 
Vegas. And I got to tell you, I thought they played okay in Denver. I thought they played okay in Glendale. But I, I, I headed off to Vegas thinking, oh, this could be a, this is a rough assignment because they still felt like they were finding themselves and finding their game. And then something flip, flipped the switch in Vegas. I think they played one of their best games. I, I don't remember a better game that they've played this season. The one in recent memory I've, I've, I've pointed to was the, I think it was the first road game of last season in Winnipeg where they were just mm, yeah. awesome. Um, and speaking to one of the Blue Jackets coaches the other day, he, he recalled that game specifically and said, yeah, but I don't think, I don't think Winnipeg was playing great then. And he didn't think Columbus played as well in this game in Vegas as they did in that game in Winnipeg. But he also took note, and it's, it's a fair point, that, win, that, that Vegas is, was playing pretty damn good on Saturday night. That was a great game. Even if you don't have a stake in who wins or loses, that was a fantastic game to watch. Thoughts on that? Just on that performance, and it's almost out of nowhereness uh, for the Blue Jackets. Tom? Well, uh, some of these, um, I apologize because some of these do run together. Was that one of the games Bob was unbelievable in for one period or maybe two periods? Uh, Which game was that? Was that the Vegas game? Uh, It was the second period, I think, of the Colorado game. I was thinking that that Vegas had one. Bob was great first period against Vegas and Columbus. Yeah, because I think when you're looking at an an overall, I I don't know if, if. I would agree. I thought was, this is one of their better games of the season. Bob was tremendous. And the torch was saying today, Bob really played well in that game. And, his, and, and on, the, on this trip, even though he gave up a couple of uh, iffy goals, still he he's really looks to be getting rounding into form, which is obviously a huge sign. But yeah. yeah, to come back in that game, especially after giving up the, I think it was tied in the second period that gave up the lead. And you're thinking, oh, well, it was a pretty good effort. Pretty good effort for them to stay within one goal. Because you remember, they got housed last year there. Oh, man. They, they got ripped last year in Vegas. 6-3, but it wasn't that close. Right. And and then to, to bounce back the way they did to tie it late and then get the winner even later. Um, that, yeah, that was, a, that was a really gutsy effort by that team. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. And you know what's fascinating, too, about this – Road trip and and a lot of it is is Boone Jenner's return. Um, I at the end of the road trip looked up sort of some cumulative stats, and Boone won forty nine faceoffs on that three game trip, and the rest of the team won fifty two. He had a point in every game. Now, there were a lot of guys that had standout performances, but he was sort of the the fabric of this whole thing. But over the course of this road trip. They came back. They went out there with with um, confusion, and they've come back with forward lines again, where they've got they have lines and and they sort of have an idea of what their lines look like. Allison, thoughts on that? Because I think it's the, you guys were saying it's the same tonight against Washington. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, I, and it's it's the weird dynamic too. And and this is a, a note from this morning is that uh, you know this team is playing not like hugely, hugely, vastly different, but a lot better on the road than they are at home. Right. Yeah, so yeah. to right. see, to see this crucible of the road trip, Nick Felino talked about that a little bit um, as being beneficial, but um, it did solidify 
the groups and if they can pull it together tonight, it's going to be, it's going to be a ramp up for sure. I think tonight's a big test of continuing what they did in Vegas. I think that, I think that uh, Boone Jenner is one of the unsung heroes of this season, because I think when you, when you look back to last year, obviously the big, the big, one of the biggest moves of the season before the trade down the line and stuff was the ability for Pierre-Luc Dubois to go from wing to center and then move from like second or third line up to first. Now, this is not anywhere in the same as big or as important, but you know, you, you remember back early in the season in November where they were struggling to like, again, Wenberg wasn't playing that well, but the fact that Boone Jenner has been able to go into the middle and stay there this entire season if you think about what happened to Felino's game last year when they, they asked him to do this, it really yeah. kind of his season kind of went up and down because he's not a center. Boone Jenner played center in junior, but really hasn't been a center here. Torts alluded to it today. He tried him a couple times at center for a couple games. It didn't work. What were they going to do here? Wenberg is starting off poorly again. Riley Nash had a, a terrible start to the season. You know, who was going to be the center? And Jenner basically volunteered, said, I'll do it. And he's given full marks. He's he's hung in there. I, I still don't think of him as a as a center, but man, full marks for him to be able to pull this off and really keep that line together. That, that by doing that, they've been able to keep that line together. Torch has tried to go away from a couple of times, but he always keeps coming back to Jenner in the middle with Felino and 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 Nick on the wing. I'm sorry, with uh, Josh Anderson on the wing. Yeah. Now let me throw this at you. This is good pod- podcast material here. Boone Jenner, full marks. I mean, I, I mentioned how great his trip was, how just him stepping in there sort of sort of allows things to settle into place a little bit more. Uh, Tom, you called him an unsung hero of the season. I think that's totally fair. Do the Blue Jackets still need to remedy that situation? Yes. Is good? <laughs> yes. Is, hang on. Is, is, his, is Boone being good enough there right now? a reason to fix other places on the ice? Or do you still look at that and say, yeah, it's, it's fine for right now. That can't do well in the playoffs. Yes. And, 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 and I'll let Allison jump in here. I'll just going to throw this one point. Cause I've spoken enough on Boone. Uh, as I asked this question to Tortorella today and he went right along with it. Yes. It's been really important that he came in there and done what he did, but he kept going back to this one point, you know, that's been a problem area for us. You know, you know, that's something we need to solidify. So I think he was even there saying we still need help there. And there's no question, Aaron, 100 percent. Yeah. Allison, what do you, where do you come in on this? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, and I, I am kick punting back to Tom in some ways. This was his soapbox during the Washington series last year. Right. But it, it, again, this game is going to we're going to see a team that is strong down the middle come to nationwide tonight. And the Jackets just aren't strong enough there or Wenberg has to find a way to get back to form, which still hasn't happened, but they need help there for sure. Okay. I think Wenberg's been a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I think he was, I think he was better on this trip. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so we, we're still sort of batting around a lot of the stories that have been a big part of it. I do think there was a, a, a big change this week in Columbus. Well, actually out in, on the road, but, uh, Artemi Panarin making news uh, again, firing his agent, Daniel Milstein. Uh, just as the uh, just as this is getting interesting, 
um, and switching to Paul Theophanis. It's kind of a, a difficult span there for Blue Jackets fans because uh, when the news broke, Kevin Weeks of the NHL Network first reported um, that there was a that Panarin had fired his agent. And many people in Columbus were like, whoa, this is great. This means he's going to sign with the Blue Jackets now. And then the news broke that, well, he's not. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's even worse, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I don't think really ultimately anything changes other than who's going to get paid when Panarin gets paid. Um, I don't I don't sense any change from the Blue Jackets in this approach at all. Um, but we, we, uh, on the road, Allison was there. We, we approached, uh, Panarin perhaps, I don't think unprofessionally, but certainly more forcefully than we had previously. And without begging him, uh, urged him and compelled him to speak. And he did. And, and it changed really, honestly, absolutely nothing. But I think for a lot of people to, um, see the words that, he had spoken, not just people representing him. Um, I think that was in, informing in its own way, or at least it gave people a, more of a full scope of the of the situation. Um, we said, you know, uh, you know, Artie, can, you know, what do you think about? Let's let's talk instead of going through other people. Let's just deal with this and talk. And he said, "Hang on a minute," and walked out of the room. And we jokingly said he's going to walk back to the hotel with all of his gear on. Um, but he came back into the dressing room with the with his cell phone and said, "Here, take a picture of this." And it was a statement from his new agent, Paul Theophanis. And we, you know, a statement doesn't. The statement was as empty as they all are. Said, you know, let, let's just ask you some questions, and if you're struggling with the words, we can reframe the questions. And if you need help along the way, we're certainly not going to tell you what to say. But we can help you find a word as long as you feel like it's the right word. If that's the word that you want to express. So this is certainly not standard operating procedure. Uh, but I think I think it certainly is uh, professionally, uh, journalistically acceptable. Certainly. Um, the Blue Jackets PR guy, Glenn Odebrowski, was there just, uh, you know, hanging around as, as the PR folks often do. So none of this went sideways. And, but Panarin was, was for the most part, um, really uh, kind of goofy and funny and jokey about stuff that you're listening to him talk and you're thinking, man, I'm not sure a lot of players would be having this much fun with something this serious or speaking this openly about things. Um, the only time he really got sort of not uh, melancholy but kind of serious was talking about the efforts that the Blue Jackets fans and local businesses have done to persuade him to stay and how much that meant to him. Uh, you can find all of this on theathletic.com. We posted a story about it. I believe it posted Friday. Um, but what did you guys learn from that, if anything? And I don't know if you learned anything specifically or if it just sort of uh, reconfirmed suspicions that people always had. Uh, what did you take out of that? You want to go first, Allison, since she was there? Yeah, I mean, at first, you know, kudos to you for for putting in the work to to get the words from the player directly, not just in writing, because as we've talked about here before, Panarin's been a little slippery when it comes to to having media access. Yeah. So full full marks to you for putting in that work. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think it's important. I said this on one of our previous podcasts. I do think it's important that even the player has every right to his decision, but I think it's important for him to publicly own the decision. And yeah. so I think for him to acknowledge basically in so many ways, I mean, he said it. He said he wants to test the market. And right. I think it is important that, you know, people following this team, if, if they're still unsure, he, he's saying what he's going to do, guys. I mean, it's yeah. I, I, I know that there's there's always beauty and optimism and beauty and hope. But this is a player who is looking to find the best place for him. And, and he was a little hesitant um, when when asked directly, is is that place in the future Columbus? Um, and I think that the player needs to say that the player needs to own that. And I think that that was really important. And I, and I do, as you pointed out, as much as I say all those things of the cold, hard truth, I do think it's important that people know that he was kind of taken aback by, by the moves that locals have made to try and persuade him to stay in a good way. Um, it didn't, it didn't go unnoticed regardless of what, what he decides to do. Yeah. He essentially laughed at the suggestion that he could circle back next yeah. year or I'm sorry, July 1st, he could circle back and not resign with Columbus. Um, and it was kind of like, yeah, but you know, would I be doing all this if I was going to come back? So, I mean, I think that extinguished, at least in my mind, any, any thought that anybody out there may have that, well, they, he just doesn't want to do it now. He loves it here. He's going to come back here. Uh, Tom, any takeaway from, from that for you? No, it was good. That they, it was, yeah, I just, probably just echoing a lot of what Allison said. It's good that he finally addressed this again. I think probably his teammates, while they appreciated how hard he's played for them and how much effort he's put into this, uh, just probably happy that the, the, to, for him for a change to answer the questions instead of them having to answer for him. So I think it was good on Panarin for doing that. Um, you know, the one question that that is for me, I would love to hear his answer, and maybe he'll he will never admit this. I wonder the moment he got traded from Chicago, if he thought right then before he even set set foot in the Jackets locker room, I'm going to free agency in two years. In other words, I don't care what this is like. I'm going to be a free agent in two years mm -hmm. to the point where nothing the Blue Jackets could have done would have really prevented them. In other words, the Blue Jackets didn't do anything wrong. You know, they've made the playoffs and everything. He was just decided, you know what, I've waited this long. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to test the market. And I think if, if Blue Jacket fans heard that, if that isn't true, then it might it's not going to help in the sense that he's going to be gone. But it's not. It, in other words, it's, it really wasn't a slight against Columbus that, look, I was going to go to free agency no matter what, pretty much, as long as it wasn't the, his dream team, whatever that was. Yeah. Well, what if he had that feeling before he even got traded? Maybe. That also, again, I, we don't know that. That's right. that's the one thing I guess now I would like to hear from him, um, him say this. And I mean, again, he handled that I thought fairly pretty well. And just, I mean, <laughs> Kevin Durant, who's one of the biggest stars in the sports world, it was funny because it was almost like the same day. Kevin Durant just went crazy. Uh, a couple days ago, the Golden State Warriors star, who was kind of in the same boat, a lot of people think he's going to leave, just blasting reporters about you know this stuff. And it's like, here's this guy that doesn't speak English well, just kind of, like you said, very lighthearted, try to answer your questions. 
uh, I think Panarin for the most part has done as well as he can here. Uh, clearly he doesn't, you know, he's, he wants to go somewhere else, but he has handled it well. And Nick, Nick Foligno was even mentioning this today. Like they stress to those two guys, him and Bob, look, as long as you're here, all we ask is you play hard for us and you stay focused. And I think for the most part, well, Panarin has done that all the way through. I think Bob maybe a little bit here and there this year, his focus is waned. But I think Panarin has given them just about everything they want other than a signature and a commitment. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, and we've talked about this before, too. I think it just, it again speaks to, and who would have known this maybe was one of the outcomes, but the piece you did on, on Panarin's story last year, Aaron, just talking about where he comes from. I mean, yeah. this is not a player or a person who's been shown a lot of loyalty his, in his, particularly in his hockey life, let alone in, in how he was brought up and how he had to scrap and, and grab for, to get where he wanted to go. And so I say it, it makes sense to me. I'll, Tom, I thought your, your idea is great there. Was this something that crossed his mind the minute Chicago said you're you're moving on? Um, you know, when he said that in, in Vegas, Porty, he said, you know, Chicago didn't ask me before they traded me to, to Columbus. So he understands that could happen again here at the deadline. And it it it's not a bad thing, but it just it, knowing how he was brought up makes sense that this could be the decision-making process he's following, if that's fair to say. Yeah, no, I think it's true. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, too, the agent, the firing of the agent and how uh, plain he was with that. Oh, oh, yeah, well, that was a friend. Now I need a businessman. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, if you're his if you're his agent, his former agent, you're thinking, ouch. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't... Ouch, my commission. Yeah, well. that's paint you in the bright light but it's also it's also not the first time that he has done this um his agent his first agent at least representation in the nhl was tom lynn uh who i believe i used to be the assistant general manager of the wild before he got into the agent game um and maybe two months before maybe six weeks before he signed the deal that he's under currently he left that agent, uh, yeah, for Daniel Milstein, um, which ruffled a lot of feathers because the one guy does all the work. Right. Right. The other guy says, here, I'll take that stack of papers. Now sign here, Artie. Good job. And so that's why, you know, a couple agents were not up, not uh, in the least upset to see Milstein get his, as they would say it. As one guy said, Milstein got Milsteined. Um oh. Uh, but yeah, you just, you, uh, you wonder, you wonder what's going on behind the scenes with, with all of this stuff. And, and, um, this, the kid is just whistling and smiling on his way out of town. Um, but he's playing great. So what, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. He seems of all the people affected by this, he seems to be the least affected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you have to, you have to want, I mean, it's, it's going to be just, fascinating in terms of I mean tons of players share an agent right it's not like there's an agent for every player in the world but nonetheless like both Bob and Brad have I'm sure different things on their top wants list if if there is I mean if they if there is if there are talks with one team about both players like navigating through that right like that both players get what they're looking for 
that's that's going to be interesting, I think. Because, I mean, you represent them both. They're both coming from the same team. It's just it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you are also – well, and you want these two traded for a fair amount, you are also a Florida Panthers fan. Right. Uh, or you should be anyways because I, I just – you know, you keep hearing, oh, maybe they're going to be a a, a, um, a a package, the the two of them together. You know, and that's fine. But, folks, the, the Panthers are 11 points out of the playoffs. I mean, that that's that's a miracle to get back into it. Yeah. And the team that they're down, the team that they're 11 points away from are the Blue Jackets, who have played the same number of game games as, as Florida. And the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are of course the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're getting in. I mean, I, I just I don't see any way that Yarmo can compel the Panthers to do something this year. There was a report from TSN yesterday that Jonathan Huberto is a guy that's been mentioned as a return to the Blue Jackets. Why on earth, if you're the Panthers, are you giving up a great player to get a great player? When you you're not going anywhere this year, and you could get a great player next year without giving up a great player, the idea to this is to collect great players. Um, if if Jonathan Uberdo is available right now, Yermo Kekalainen should be driving to Sunrise to pick him up. I would think. I, I just that sort of stuff does not. And I'm not doubting the reporting. That that move from Florida would make no sense to me. Um, and I wanted to get to this too: the Bobrovsky situation. He has a no-move clause. It is important to him to get a an extension done before the trade deadline because that allows him to sign for eight years instead of seven. If he stays with Columbus through the trade deadline, the only team that can give him eight years is Columbus, and that is not going to happen. Um, so, But the flip side of this is the Blue Jackets don't feel compelled to let either of these players negotiate extensions with players. With, with uh, teams. So in other words, a team that acquires Panarin is not going to know if they can keep Panarin. That would seem to drive the cost down, or at least their, their price down, I should say. Um, the Bobrovsky thing, it, it may preclude a trade from even happening if he can't be sure that he's going to sign an extension with them. So maybe he doesn't lift his no move at all. At some point, I understand that the team has to weigh the distractions, having multiple teams talking to you that's now the same agent about both of those players against getting the best return possible. And as as easy as it is for, for many people watching this situation, Blue Jackets fans saying, oh, oh wait, so let me get this right. Bobrovsky will only be traded if he knows he can get eight years and if he knows he can get this many X million dollars. Well, what is this about? Is this the blue? Is this about the Blue Jackets or is this about Bob? And I would put before you that I get those feelings. You know, heck with this guy. He can he can sit here and not like it, and it'll cost him eight to ten million bucks wherever he signs for. That's a sort of an emotional response to this. But if, if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, you have to do what is right for the Blue Jackets. And as tough as it is to swallow, maybe doing what's right for Bobrovsky is also doing what's right for the Blue Jackets. In other words, if Florida says, and we've been saying this all along, at least I have, we like our chances to get these guys 
now and get them signed now and make a group uh, effort out of this. So we'll get you both. You guys can come here with a friend already. Um, and that gives us a leg up on all these teams this summer. If they don't want to risk getting to the summer and being in a bidding war with the Rangers, Islanders, maybe Tampa, but who knows, then I get that. That's if you're the Blue Jackets where you get your best deal. If you can compel somebody to do it right now and know that they can sign these players, I think you're going to get a much bigger return than what there's what they seem to be steering for right now. And I wonder if that's the right call. Do you guys have thoughts on, on just sort of the approach that Yarmo Kekalainen has taken here? Tom? Go ahead. I, I mean, I, I, I tend to be with you, I, Porty. I mean, other than Drew Doughty, right? No player is negotiating his own contracts. So I, I don't know how much an, of a distraction this really would be on the players, or maybe you open it up to a small window. They have a three-day window or a two-day window, and you line it up with the schedule or whatever you want to do. Um, I would think you would definitely – I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Nick Foligno said this too. He said it's not emotional, it's business. And – if, if you want the best return, it is to your advantage to let – because the reason a team like Florida, as you said, is going to make this move now when they're out of contention is for the security of locking up the player before they go to market. So if you want them to make the move when they otherwise don't have to, you've got to give a little bit to get sure to be sure you can get that and thus get the highest return. Yeah. Tom? Yeah, no, I, I think you guys have both covered it. I, I don't have – I can't. Exp- I don't want to waste our listeners' precious time. Yeah, both covered it well. Um, here's a wild card for you. Anybody else in that room you think could get moved? Mm. In the room, not Sonny Milano. He's not in the room. Mm. Anybody that, that no one's nobody's expecting, nobody's talking about. You think, oh wow, that could be a trade deadline move. I I wonder if we're missing somebody, missing something that 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 could be moved. I don't know. I mean, do you move Riley Nash if it doesn't seem like he's a fit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I would think. I mean, does Boston want him back? Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. This could be a fun freaking trade deadline is what I'm trying to say. Well, and if you if you assume that one or both Bobrovsky and Panarin leave, I mean, I've always been of the school of thought, you're also going to be active getting back some talent, which means you're going to have to spend something. Right. Right. I don't know what that looks like either. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also think we're going to get, things are going to get hairy here sooner rather than later, because as we've mentioned, if they're going to be follow-up trades, I don't see this waiting until the 25th uh, for Yarmo to get going on this stuff. Cause it, it it's going to take a, a couple of days to piece stuff together, but it's going to be bonkers. Um, Anything else we need to uh, discuss here before we wrap it up? Washington tonight, the New York Islanders on Thursday. Um, let, let's real quick talk about the Islanders and what an unbelievable story they are because we're not going to be back in this format until Friday. Um, they did lose their star player, and they are first place in the Metro, three points over Washington, seven over the Blue Jackets. Is this the, is this the story of the year in the NHL, Tom? Uh, well, I think Barry Trotz has to be, right to me right now, the coach of the year. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a great story. 
kudos to the Islanders. And if I'm the Blue Jackets, I am like a homing pigeon. If they're first in the division, I want to be the first wild card. If they're second in the division, I want to be the third team. If they're the third team, I want to be the second team. That's who I want to play if I'm the Blue Jackets. Now, why do you want to play the Islanders so bad if they're so damn good? Uh, who cares about the regular season, right? It's all about the playoffs anyway. I mean, I, I don't, don't mean to, I mean, these guys work hard for 80 games. Everything's about matchups, 40. You want to, you want to play, let's put it this way. You want to play Matt Murray, who's won two Stanley Cups. You want to play Braden Holpe, who just won a Stanley Cup. You want to play Robin Leonard. Playoffs. You want to play Tampa Bay? No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I would not want to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs first round. Right. So again. Right. Uh, that's your, basically, if you're assuming, if you're going on the assumption that it's Pittsburgh and Washington get in, in the division, uh, and you're assuming that, you know, you're not going to play Toronto, then that's to me is the matchup you want. You want the Islanders. You want the team that's really hasn't, has no playoff history in recent years. Uh, to me, everything in the playoffs is about matchups. Yeah. And last year, that's why I didn't like the Blue Jackets matchup against Washington, but that's, uh, that's my point on the Islanders. Trotz and Tortorella would be a great playoff. Oh, series. fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Trotz going, or Torts going back to Long Island, if that's where they end up playing the, the playoff right. series. Oh, what Dubinsky, if assuming he's healthy, going back there, it, it'd be, it would be would be a wonderful series. Oh, and Panarin facing his, his future team. Oh, boy, You made it to the entire podcast, Aaron. <laughs> or his former team. Um, and you recall the great story of Tortorella and Trotz on the bus and the minors in the playoffs. Right, right. Of course. Uh, Allison, anything else we need to get to before we get out of here? Nope. I think we covered it. Tom? No. It'll be all good. It'll be exciting, wow. exciting week. All that's left is a hockey game tonight. Uh, Blue Jackets Capitals. And we will see you out there. Thanks for reading, watching, listening. Uh, for Allison Luke and for Tom Reed, Aaron Portstein saying, uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.